0: Today is January 7th, 2022. My name is Juan, and I hope everyone is enjoying the new year. Hopefully, you brought it in as safely as possible. And I just want to get right into pound for pound. There are many different opinions out there, different lists, different criteria. It really comes down to, like most things, your opinion. Um, I think that to to a certain extent. You can't come on here and say that you have a guy like Avni Yildrum, who Canelo fought early last year, in one of his mandatory tune-up type bouts. You can't come here and say a guy like him is on your pound-for-pound list. You have to have some type of criteria. You can't just say, oh, I think this guy's pound-for-pound. But there are many different ways to look at the list. It is complex to explain how we each get to our lists. I have mine, ESPN has theirs, Ring Magazine has theirs. You may have your own personal list. Some people go just by talent. Some people go just by resume. To me, it's a combination. I think number one thing has to be what you've done. What have you done? You have to prove it. We could look at many fighters and say, this guy's highly skilled. This guy does so many different things, but if he doesn't fight anybody, how can he be pound for pound? So I think you have to do something significant. You have to get either a string of victories together, or since it's pound for pound, can you do it in multiple weight classes? And also how many different things can you do to be on pound for pound? You have to be multifaceted. You have to have different layers to your game. You have to be well-rounded. A guy like Deontay Wilder, one of the best punchers in the history of the sport. Straight right hand. That punch alone is one of the best we've seen. But the thing with Wilder is that is his only A-plus punch. He's not an A-plus defender. He doesn't have A-plus legs. He doesn't have A-plus defense doesn't have a great left hand. That is why a guy like him can't be pound for pound because he has holes that you can visually, visibly see in his bouts. So pound for pound to me, you got to be well-rounded, have to have proven it somehow, and hopefully multiple times, and you have to be consistent. You can't go in there and get a bunch of iffy decisions And be pound for pound. Can't go in there and say, yeah, I'm not sure if he won that fight. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But, yeah, he's pound for pound. No, it doesn't work like that. For my list. For my list. Okay? There are plenty of guys who you can look at and say, that guy looks special. He looks like he is going to do great things in this sport. Only a certain amount of people can be pound for pound. My list, I did 15. I think 10 is just not enough. I think the sport is so deep that it needs more than 10 people getting recognition, getting some spotlight on their name. The list is an indication of how deep the talent pool is in today's sport. There are guys like Jaron Boots Ennis who are immensely talented. Guy jumps off the screen. And I believe the other welterweights are in no rush to fight him. But he eventually needs to prove it. The guys I'm going to put on this list have actually proven it multiple times. There is no doubt in my mind that Boots will make it on this list. Once he gets the type of opponents who are in the top 15, top 10 category, we will see how he looks against them. Same thing can be said about Devin Haney, who, in my opinion, he had two really, really solid victories this year. Excuse me, last year. So he's on the cusp, but I couldn't put him above the guys I'm about to mention. That's why, I mean, that's because there's so much talent in this sport. Good thing about these lists are they're forever changing. It's it's nonstop. There's no offseason. But the true greats are going to stay in the mix consistently. When I hear the words pound for pound, I think of guys like Roy Jones Jr. in his prime. I think of guys like Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Guys who did it consistently and who did it in multiple divisions. Andre Ward, another guy. For a while, Floyd had a stranglehold on the pound-for-pound crown. Manny Pacquiao jumped in there various times throughout his career. And then when when Floyd went away, I believe it was Andre Ward who was the clear number one guy. And... Guys like Chocolatito, Roman Gonzalez were very close in that top three range. Since then, I feel like it's been a revolving door. I feel like there are three or four guys you could say, you can make great arguments too and say that they are pound for pound number one. But like I said at the top of the pod, it is very opinion-based. We all see different things. We all have different criteria. I laid out mine before, and now let me get to my top 15 pound-for-pound fighters in the world. According to me, Juan Acevedo. Number one, I got to go with Terrence Bud Crawford. Terrence Crawford, to me, does everything you could possibly want in a fighter. He has great power. He has great defense. He is capable of fighting on his back foot, capable of fighting coming forward. He could fight from the southpaw stance. He could fight from an orthodox stance. He has power in both of those hands as well. He has a jab. He has made adjustments throughout the fight. He's a guy that is looking for that one big shot. So he's not going to overcommit. He's not high volume, but he's looking to take you out of there. And that's something that he's done to every single opponent at welterweight. You want to talk pound for pound. This guy won a championship at one thirty five, became undisputed at one forty before moving up to one forty seven and capturing a title there in what was his first fight at the weight. The thing with Terrence Crawford to me that stands out aside from his skill is that none of his fights are up for debate. None of his fights are questionable wins for him. You don't say, hmm, I don't think Terrence Crawford won that fight. You know why? Because he leaves no doubt. He's knocked out every opponent at welterweight. And yes, for a while there was a huge question on what he would do with a top opponent at welterweight. It's been well documented. You can look in the archives of this podcast and see the episode titled The Curious Case of Terrence Crawford where I pick apart his welterweight resume. The thing is, last year, he answered that question. What's going to happen when Crawford steps in with a top, well-tested, well-rounded welterweight? Is he still going to be this guy that we saw at 140, this guy that we saw at 135, this monster, this guy who is destroying the lighter competition once he got to welterweight? Well, what happened when he got into a fight with the top welterweight was the same thing that happened to the other welterweights. He got stopped. Sean Porter got stopped. We could argue about whether it was too soon to stop it, whether his father made the right decision in stopping it. Sean Porter's father slash trainer, Kenny Porter, did he make the right decision in stopping it? I think he did. We can debate that all night long, but what we can't debate is the final result. The final result was a stoppage victory for Terrence Crawford. To me, Terrence Crawford took over the fight in the final three rounds, clearly made adjustments and was dominating those rounds leading to the stoppage. Dropped in multiple times before the towel was thrown in. I look at Terrence Crawford and another thing about pound for pound. When it's, when it's guys that are really close, guys that it's like, hmm, I don't know who to pick. I don't know how to rank them ahead of each other. I look at it like this. If all these guys were the same weight, who would win in the fight? Simple. Who would win if these guys were all one weight? Take away their weight advantages. This is pound for pound. Just look at the skills. Look at what they've done to their competition so far and the ways that they win. And I think if everyone's the same weight, my money would usually be on Terrence Crawford in most of these fights. Number two, I got to go Canelo Alvarez. Oh, excuse me. Before I move on to number two, Terrence Crawford's record 38-0. Number two, I got to go Canelo Alvarez, the face of the sport, 57-1 in two, two draws. Canelo Alvarez has proven it at multiple weights, just like Terrence Crawford has. He also is an undisputed champion. He got his at super middleweight this past year. To me, this was the best year of his career. Had three fights. Two were really good wins. One was a tune-up. Canelo Alvarez possesses one of the best punches in the sport, and that is his left hook. He can throw it to the body. He can throw it to the head. The reason I don't have him above Terrence Crawford is because there is a hole in Canelo's game. That hole to me, and I'll say this until I get proven wrong, is movement. Canelo doesn't have great legs. Canelo's an amazing fighter. Canelo does a tremendous job at cutting off the ring as he did with Canelo, uh, Caleb Plant. He did it with a little bit with Billy Joe Saunders. He's a tremendous fighter. He's number two. I'm not knocking Canelo at all, but there is something that Terence Crawford does that Canelo doesn't that is move his legs very well and that is also Terence Crawford can go southpaw you won't see Canelo Alvarez switching southpaw many times if at all Canelo Alvarez doesn't use his jab very well he's not a good jab not a big jabber he's a power puncher that's another advantage I would give Terence Crawford over Canelo Alvarez this is why I have Crawford over Canelo there are things Crawford Visibly does that Canelo Alvarez doesn't do. And also, like I said, Terrence Crawford leaves no doubt. There are multiple fights. Not recently. I'll give him that. Not recently. But there are fights in Canelo's past that are questionable victories for him. The Triple G fights. The Lara fight. The Austin Trout fight. The Floyd Mayweather loss. uh, The two draws he has. There are questions. There's many times where I've seen Canelo get outboxed. Sergey Kovalev comes to mind. He gets outboxed, but he bails himself out with a tremendous knockout, and he gets the credit for that. Absolutely, it's incredible the way he does that. He finishes strong, gets the victory by stoppage. But when you get outboxed for multiple rounds, I can't call you number one because there's a guy named Terrence Crawford who I don't see just getting outboxed. I haven't seen that footage yet. If you can find it, send it to me. I haven't seen footage of Terrence Crawford just getting outboxed in a fight. I've seen it with Canelo. That is the difference. No knock on him, face of the sport. Tremendous year, my fighter of the year 2021. But I got him number two. Nothing wrong with that. We're talking about the best fighters in the world. If you're even on this list, you're doing something right. Number three, I'm going with Alexander Usyk. 19-0 out of the Ukraine, this guy dominated the cruiserweight division when the cruiserweight division meant something. Right now, if you look at the cruiserweight division, there's maybe two two good fighters, three good fighters that I would consider world-class, top level. When Alexander Usyk was in it, there was a handful. That's why they had a tournament, the World Boxing Super Series. Amazing tournament. Alexander Usyk came out on top, beat everyone in his path convincingly, and became undisputed champion. After that, he moved up to heavyweight, and he just beat Anthony Joshua last year. Canelo, I mean, Alexander Usyk holds most of the championship, most of the shares of the championship at heavyweight. The one other piece is held by Tyson Fury. Alexander Usyk holds the rest. Alexander Usyk, like Terence Crawford, can fight both-handed. Southpaw stance or orthodox. He has great legs, especially for his size. In the heavyweight division, you're not going to find a guy with better legs than Alexander Usyk. You're not going to find a guy as ambidextrous in the heavyweight division as Alexander Usyk. You're not going to guy find a guy with better punch placement than Alexander Usyk. You're not going to find a guy who fights at the pace at heavyweight like Alexander Usyk. The one thing Alexander Usyk doesn't possess is one-punch power. He is not the type of guy to get you out of there in the first or second round. He's not that heavyweight. He's not a Derek Chisora-style mauler. He's a highly skilled, intelligent boxer. He is number three on my list. He has credible victories at cruiserweight, and he is a dominating victory over Anthony Joshua. And likely we're going to see the rematch this year. I would take Usyk again in that fight. Number four, I got Naoye Inoue. Inoue is running through these smaller divisions, the bandweight divisions. He is 22-0. He does it all. He is a tremendous body puncher, possesses great power, especially at that weight. These smaller guys aren't known for their power. Naoye Inoue is breaking the mold. He is one of the best in the world. I got him number four. He is also whacking top competition. His last fight was a tune-up type fight, but before that, he went on a run. He also, like Usyk, went through a World Boxing Super Series Tournament where the best are matched up against the best. He came out on top, and he did it by beating a future Hall of Famer in Nonito Donaire in one of the fights of the year of 2019. Definitely go back and watch that if you haven't seen it. Now your new way is the real deal. He is number four on my list. Number five, and there's an asterisk next to the, next to this because number one, a little bit of inactivity. Number two, not all of his fault. He suffered a car crash, and then discovered in the lead up to a Manny Pacquiao fight, discovered that he had a tear in his retina. and had to get surgery on his eye for that. So he drops a little bit. Still got to be top five. He is the truth. His name is Earl Spence Jr. He is 27-0. He is welterweight champion, unified champion. The guy is built different, for lack of a better term. This guy went through a brutal car crash. You can actually see it on YouTube if you want to check it out, if you're into that type of thing. Devastating car crash. You see the video. You don't know what happened. You assume anyone involved in it is dead. That is how horrific the crash is. Guy was drunk driving, going at crazy speeds. Flipped his vehicle multiple times. Got ejected from the car. Somehow survived. Somehow didn't break any bones. Comes back. Fights Danny Garcia, who is a two-division world champion. And easily beats him. And since the retinal tear, he is already back in the gym. And he has a fight against Dennis Ugas in another unification fight. This guy doesn't believe in tune-ups. He's always trying to fight top competition at all times. He has victories over Mikey Garcia, Danny Garcia, Sean Porter. And the thing to me that's that's uh, impressive about Earl Spence is he's doing these, th- these victories. He's fighting these fights different ways. Each of these victories comes in a different variety. The Mikey Garcia fight leading up to it, he pretty much made a point to say, listen, this guy's a smaller guy. He thinks he's going to use his skills and he's going to come up and outclass me, outpoint me. I'm gonna beat him with my skills. I'm not even gonna use my size advantage. I'm gonna beat this guy on my back foot. I'm gonna show the world that I have a jab, that I have a back foot game. I could fight him backing up. I can out move him. I can out jab him and I can outwork him. And that's exactly what Earl Spence did against Mikey Garcia. He didn't press for a knockout because he didn't want that excuse of saying, you know, he bullied the smaller guy. He was being a weight bully. Mikey Garcia didn't belong at that weight. Well, Mikey Garcia probably didn't belong at that weight, but Earl Spence made a fact, made a point to show that he has the skills to beat Mikey Garcia. He's not just going to rely on his power. He's going to show you he can actually box with him and outbox him, and that's exactly what he did. And then against Sean Porter, it was more of a dog fight. He was going for the knockout. Didn't get the knockout, but what he did deliver was a great fight, and he dropped Sean Porter Fighting him with his own style. Fighting him with Sean Porter's own style. Earl Spence, number five. I believe he needs to fight Terrence Crawford. These two guys need to find out who's the better man. Earl Spence is the bigger guy. I might favor him over Terrence Crawford. But it would be a flip of the coin type of fight. Two top five pound for pound fighters going at it. That's what we want to see in 2022. Number six. I got to go with Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is 31-0. Tyson Fury has victories over Vladimir Klitschko, has multiple victories over Deontay Wilder. Um, I believe he needs a couple more high-profile victories to go down in the history books. But based on his size, he's already, to me, a guy who would give anyone in any era problems because he's that big of a guy, and he also has freakish upper-body movement for his size. He has a great jab. He showed that he could fight multiple ways. He could fight from a distance. Using his size and his jab. Or he can also use his size coming forward. That cronk style. When he changed to the gym. Former gym of Emanuel Stewart. Legendary trainer. He has that bully type style as well. That he used against Deontay Wilder. And Otto Valine, Where he's just coming forward. Leaning on you. Grabbing you. Using his weight. And when you combine the skills with the weight. He is a massive problem for anyone in the heavyweight division. That's number six. The reason he is so... Some people may think that's a little too low. Maybe you want him higher. Again, the thing: this is pound for pound. So Tyson Fury is a heavyweight. He's never fought a lower weight. He's a giant, massive man who always has the size advantage. That's why I got him outside the top five. He always has that advantage of size and weight. So when you're talking pound for pound... That kind of works against you a little bit because all the other guys I've named, for the most part, will have faced different size advantage disadvantages throughout their career. Tyson Fury will never have to deal with someone bigger than him. Number seven, Josh Taylor, 18-0, undisputed at 140, and much like Alexander Usyk and Naoya Inoue, he did it the hard way. He did it without um, playing an A-side or B-side. Or any politic game. He entered the World Boxing Super Series. Which is a tournament of the best fighters in that division. All the best fighters except for one. Were in that tournament. The one guy who wasn't in that tournament was Jose Ramirez. And after the tournament. Josh Taylor fought Jose Ramirez. For undisputed. And beat him convincingly. Josh Taylor has fought all top competition. Still undefeated. That's why he's on this list. Shows great skills. Is a great body puncher is a very vicious puncher. He's a guy that wants to inflict damage. He's a menacing type character. He wants to hurt you. He wants to trade with you. He's going to be a tough out for anyone at 140. And if he moves up to the welterweight, I believe he'll give a lot of guys problems there as well. Not sure how we would fare against the cream of the crop like Spencer Crawford, but I believe he can have some success at welterweight. But what he's done at 140 is enough to make him Top seven pound for pound on my list. Number eight, Stephen Fulton. Stephen Fulton is a guy that has had a tremendous year. If it wasn't for Canelo Alvarez, I would say he's fighter of the year. Stephen Fulton, his last four opponents were undefeated. His last two opponents were undefeated world champions. He started 2021 against Angelo Leo as the underdog. Angelo Leo from Mayweather Promotions, very highly skilled fighter, all-action warrior. Stephen Fulton went in there, fought him in his own game, and beat him unanimously. And then he bounced back at the end of the year against Brandon Figueroa, another undefeated world champion. That was a 50-50 fight going in. Stephen Fulton won that one, a close majority decision. Stephen Fulton is a guy who's fighting all comers. That's why he's on this list. You look through his resume and he's got a lot of guys who are unbeaten early in his career as opposed to most guys will take soft touches as they're coming up. This guy was fighting undefeated undefeated world-level fighters very early and he isn't stopping. He's continuing to fight the top guys available. Not only is he fighting the top guys, he's showing different levels of his game, different layers. He's showing he can bang on the inside. He can also box. He can also show, throw um, creative combinations, goes to the body well. He does everything really well. Stephen Fulton doesn't get the recognition he deserves, probably because he's in the Super Band Made division, but that division has about seven or eight high, high-level fighters, and Stephen Fulton is the best of the group. Number nine, I'm going Jamel Charlo. Jamel Charlo is the definition of best fighting the best. Look throughout Jamel Charlo's history. Much like I said about Stephen Fulton, Jamel Charlo has been fighting top competition for about eight years now. We talk about we want the best to fight the best. Well, you got a guy named Jamel Charlo who has been doing that pretty much his whole career. He took the tough route on his way to the top. He was fighting... Very tough guys. He fought Gabe Rosado like seven years ago. That was a tough fight at the time. Gabe Rosado just won knockout of the year in my book in 2021. Jermel Charlo was beating him seven years ago. Jamel Charlo continues to fight the top opposition at his weight class. 154 division to me is in my top two or three best divisions in the sport because you see these guys all... Fighting each other. Brian Castaño versus Jamel Charlo for Undisputed was one of the best fights of 2021. I thought Castaño edged it. It was a draw in the record books. The good thing, the good news is these guys are fighting again in 2022. Charlos 34 1 and 1. His one loss was to Tony Harrison. He avenged that loss by KO. His one draw is to Castaño, who was also an undefeated world champion. It was for Undisputed. They are running it back in 2022. So it just shows Jermell Charlo has never shied away from an opponent. He is fighting literally every top guy available in his division. Something needs to be said about that. This guy needs to be praised for that because we bash other guys who don't do it. Well, let's praise the guys who are doing it. Charlo has been doing it for a long time. Yes, he's crazy. Yes, he's wild. Yes, he's going to say some outlandish stuff. In a press conference, even during a fight, you're like, "What's wrong with this guy? He's out of control." But that's what makes him a savage. That what that is what makes him one of the top fighters. He has that chip on his shoulder. He wants to be the best. Someone disrespects him. He wants to knock you out. He does not care. He even fights with his own twin brother, who I'll mention a little bit later. Jamal Char- Jamel Charlo needs to be recognized as a top ten pound for pound fighter. He is fighting the best fighters available. Consistently Most of them, he's knocking out 2022, we'll see what he does Against Castano in the rematch Should be interesting Number 10, I'm going with Javante Tank Davis 26-0 This guy, his last three fights Have all been at different weights He's fought at 130 Then 140 And his last fight was at 135 All victories, all different ways 130, he was kind of content with brawling it out with, with Leo Santa Cruz until he eventually stopped him with a devastating uppercut. At 140, move up to Barrios uh, to fight Mario Barrios. It was a tough fight. He was trying to outskill Barrios. Barrios was having great success in there and Javante turned it up in the later rounds. Eventually got the stoppage, dropping him three or four times in the process. And then... His uh, latest performance at 135 against Esau Cruz, the Pitbull Esau Cruz. High-volume guy, was chasing Gervonta down, a shorter guy too, awkward style. And Davis made the adjustments on his back foot. Also had a broken hand in that fight, overcame adversity there. Fought a couple rounds with one hand. Um, He just showed to me that he can do it many different ways. It's not just the power. He also has the smarts also has the technical ability to get through anything that gets thrown his way definitely a top 10 pound for pound fighter in my book he's done it at multiple weights he's done it multiple styles and he's undefeated in the process Javante davis is pound for pound in my opinion number 11 vasily lomachenko 16 and 2 we've seen the skills but more than the skills it's the competition he's always fighting top competition He's come back um, after the loss to Tiafimo Lopez. And he's really impressed in those fights. A stoppage against Nakatani and then a complete domination of former champion Richard Comey. Yes, the record isn't great. 16-2. and two. Doesn't have that many fights. But all of his fights, aside from maybe one or two, have been top competition. This guy fight for fought for a world championship like three fights into his career. Unheard of. Fastest guy to three-division champion. Unheard of. Skills off the charts. Best legs in the sport. Very creative with his offense. High pressure, just like Alexander Usyk, his fellow countryman. High pressure. Once he figures you out later in the fight, he's going to put a relentless pace on you that most guys mentally can't hang with, and physically they break down. This guy made, I don't know if it was three or four, world-class fighters, some of whom were undefeated, undefeated championship caliber fighters, stepped in the ring with Vasily Lomachenko multiple rounds into the fight, said, you know what? I'm all set. Folks, these guys weren't taking insane damage. They weren't concussed. They weren't suffering a huge cut. They weren't bleeding. They were simply getting outclassed To the point that they said, this fight is no longer winnable. We give up. They quit. They did not come back into the ring to fight Lomachenko. That counts for something. When you're making multiple guys who fight for a living say, no mas... No more. I am all set. I want to go home. I do not want to deal with this guy. That's what he was doing. That is why he is ranked where he's ranked. People see the 16 and 2. This guy doesn't have that many fights. Look at who he's fighting, folks. Look at the opponents who he's been in the ring with. He's a menace. He has to be in your top 15 pound for pound. I got him at 11. Number 12, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. This guy is different. He's 50 and 3. There's been times he was knocked out cold, and we thought this guy's career is over. Then he comes back and wins a world championship, and then he defends it. He's been in wars with Juan Estrada. I thought he beat Juan Estrada. Juan Estrada is who I have 13th. 42 and 3, just like Gonzalez. Warrior. These guys are fighting again in March for the third time. It is a must-see fight. Guys who fight top competition at all times, and they're married together throughout their careers because they fought multiple times. They have many common opponents. They're going to fight again in 2022. Roman Gonzalez at 12, Juan Estrada at 13. Great fighters. 14, this might be a little controversial. I'm going Shakur Stevenson. 17-0. What has he done? Well, he has a championship at 126. And at 130 currently. He's had two championships. His best win was his last win. That was against Jamel Herring. Jamel Herring is a very solid fighter. Jamel Herring isn't a great fighter, but he was a very solid champion. The thing with Shakur is his skill level is so high, you cannot deny it. He is completely dominating his opponents. And I get it. He hasn't fought the greatest competition, but when he fights, Championship-level cal- caliber fighters, he's been at his best. Joette Gonzalez is a really solid guy. He made him look like he didn't belong. Jamel Herring was a champion. Shakur-, Shakur Stevenson made him look like he did not belong. Took his belt with ease, dominated, winning pretty much every single round before the ref stopped. It. Offense is coming together brilliantly. He's been relentless. When the chips are down, when it's a really big moment for him, he shows up. His defense is impeccable. Barely gets hit. Barely gets hit. He's a guy you look at and say, I think he beats a lot of guys on this list, style-wise. But you have to prove it. That's why I got him 14. Still a top 15 pound for pound, but I can't put him in that top 10 yet because he needs to fight better competition, and I think he will in 2022. And lastly but not least. 15. Jamal Charlo. 32-0. and 0. He's fought very solid opponents. He hasn't had that one marquee matchup. But he's fought very solid guys. Stopped Julian uh, Williams. He stopped Erickson Lubin. He does a lot of things really well. His jab is one of the best jabs in the sport. He has a great chin. He showed that against um, Juan Montiel in his last fight, Sergei Dervinchenko. He beat better than anyone I've seen against Dervinchenko. And this is the Dervinchenko who has been in there, the Triple G. He's been in there with Danny Jacobs. I thought Jamal Charlo easily beat him better than anyone else had ever beaten him. Excuse me, he didn't He didn't knock out uh, Eric Zalubin. That was Jamal Charlo. But Jamal Charlo did knock out Julian Williams did convincingly beat Austin Trout when Austin Trout was closer to his prime. He has good win- good wins, beat a very awkward um, Martev Karabov, Hugo Centeno Jr. He has a lot of s- solid wins, but like I said, he doesn't have that one marquee win. The rumor is he's going to fight Canelo in May. We'll believe it when it happens. That's just a rumor, but that to me is a very interesting fight because Jamal, Charlo- Ch- Jamal Charlo's size... But more importantly, his jab. One of the best jabs in the sport. That's my 15. I'm sticking with it. I'm going to run through it real quickly again. Number one, Terrence Crawford. Number two, Canelo Alvarez. Number three, Alexander Usyk. Number four, Naoya Inoue. Number five, Earl Spence Jr. Number six, Tyson Fury. Number seven, Josh Taylor. Number eight, Stephen Fulton. Number nine, Jermell Charlo. Number 10, Gervonta Davis. Number 11, Vasily Lomachenko. Number 12, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. Number 13, Juan Francisco Estrada. Number 14, Shakur Stevenson. Number 15, Germal Charlo. Those are my top 15 pound for pound. Only 15 could make it. There are plenty of other great fighters out there. I mentioned Jeron Boots Ennis. Tiafimo Lopez, I think will bounce back. The reason, and I had a friend of mine ask me why, how is Tiafimo Lopez not on the list? But Vasily Lomachenko is, even though TFimo beat him. And my answer is this consistency. You gotta be consistent to be on this list. TFIMO Lopez, one of my favorite fighters. I love that guy, but I cannot justify putting him top fifteen because he hasn't fought excuse me, he's only fought once in a year. And that once was a loss. It was a big loss, which he got upset. He got dropped and he didn't make any adjustments. You've got to be consistent. You didn't make any adjustments in the fight for me to say, yes, he's a top pound-for-pound guy. It would be disrespectful to the other 15 guys I named to remove one of them and put Tiafimo Lopez. Yes, he had a great victory against Lomachenko. Yes, he had a solid victory against Nakatani. Yes, he had a great knockout to become champion against Richard Comey. But since then, he's had that one fight, and it was a loss, And it was a loss in which he didn't make adjustments. You have to make adjustments. You have to be consistent. Vasily Lomachenko, on the other hand, he lost, but it wasn't a devastating loss. And he bounced back twice with dominating victory. That's the difference. There is no doubt that Tiafimo Lopez can regain his pound-for-pound status. He's moving up to 140. I think he's going to be much more comfortable at that weight, much more explosive at that weight. And I believe eventually he will make it Onto this list again when he does something significant at 140. But right now, I can't put him in there against the other guys because the other guys are proving it on a consistent basis. If they have a little misstep, they bounce back quickly and multiple times. Jeron Ennis, haven't seen him in there with the top competition and have also seen a little bit of vulnerability. We've seen him get hit multiple times. We've seen him get clipped by Sergey Lipinets multiple times if he gets hit with those punches against a Crawford or a Spence or a Thurman or another guy with power at that at that weight, at the top of that division, how is he going to respond? You take those shots against a Terrence Crawford or an Errol Spence, you might be on the canvas. So those are some things Boots needs to clean up. Much like Tia I believe he will clean those up. I believe he will um, make it on this list, but this isn't a projection list. This isn't A prospect list. This isn't who we believe is going to rise. This is what guys have actually done. What we've actually seen. The evidence they've shown us. And the skills that they've displayed against top competition. Devin Haney was another guy at the cusp. He's had a couple lapses against Linares. He got caught really bad. Against Jojo Diaz. He was getting hit more than I believed he should have been. But that's just the process. These guys are going through tough fights on the way up. They're going to get the experience and clean, hopefully, clean those things up before they get to those huge fights. We we want to see guys fighting the best, right? We want to see these guys all rushed. We want to see these young guys mix it up with each other. But I think sometimes we forget there is a road. There is a path to get there. Guys like Devin Haney and in, in Boots Ennis, are following that path brilliantly. Yes, they're going to have some tough fights on the way. Or if not a tough fight, a tough moment in the fight. That is okay. Let these guys develop. Let's be a little patient. These are young guys. Let's be patient with some of them. Are they going to be on this list eventually? I believe they will. But they have to get there. We have to let them go through the process. Some guys get rushed. Teofimo Lopez got a little bit rushed. In hindsight, you could say, hey... Maybe he should have took a couple of these other fights. Maybe he should have been a little bit more active. Maybe he should have brought in someone else to his team. There's going to be questions, but the only thing we can go by is what we actually see in the ring. What takes place. A guy may look like he has all these skills, and then he goes out there and gets upset. Can he still be pound for pound? No. We have to go by what they're actually doing. That's just my opinion. Let me know what you guys think. Who should be on the list? Who shouldn't? The order, maybe, you guys won't agree with. We all have our opinions. This just happens to be mine. Let me know what you guys think. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I believe that I'm going to have another episode in a couple weeks. Um, There isn't a huge event until February 5th. We were spoiled at the end of the year. January is kind of slow, but I will get back to you guys soon. That's all I have for you today. I'm out.